like to welcome you to the first day of our seminar on Nectar of Instruction. And today we're going to read the preface and text one. But before that, we're going to sing a song by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, which describes the first um, four verses of this um, book, Nectar of Instruction. So, songbook, it's page, my, mine page 61, I don't know what your page is, but it might be the same or it might be different. I've opened it up. Oh, you opened it up. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that. Okay. Um. Oh, hey, Vaishnava Thakur, Dayara Shagada, Hirashikaram Nakhori. Oh, hey, second verse of this song has the first four verses of this book in it. So the first one 
Chayabega Domi. Please, um, please control my six urges. So we're going to talk about that today. What are the six urges and uh, why we should control them. And then the second, Chaya Dosha Shoti. Um, purify me of the six faults. So we'll hear about those tomorrow, that what things are obstacles to our progress in devotional service and even in life itself. Um, and then the next, Chaya Guna Deho Dashi. Give me the six good qualities. The six things are very helpful in devotional service and in life itself also. And that would be um, uh, the, the third, third class. And the next one will also be the third class, Chaya Shatshanga. Give me the six kinds of good association of devotees. So today we're going to talk about the six passions, um, the six urges that are pushing us to act. But before we do that, we're going to talk about um, listening. And what kind of listener are you? So there's, uh, the best listener is one who comes with proper respect, is eager and expert in hearing of Krishna's pastimes and teaching. He's rejected mundane topics, has faith in the Lord, hears submissively, contemplates the knowledge he's heard and likes to ask relevant questions. Now there's other good listeners too. There's four kinds. The first kind is the Chataka bird. I don't know if you have that kind of bird here, but in India you have this Chataka bird. He doesn't drink water from anywhere except the rain cloud, only when it rains. So just imagine, he must be really thirsty sometimes if it doesn't rain. Um, so in the same way, one who doesn't hear any book other than scriptures concerned with Krishna is a Chataka listener. So. Then there's another kind of listener, a swan listener. We have swans here in the lake. And uh, so the, the swan can take a mixture of milk and water and take the milk out. So the swan listener can extract the essential teachings while listening to various topics. So that's a swan listener. And then there's a parrot listener. A parrot listener can recite whatever it has been taught. And if you can recite properly, then you're a parrot listener. And then there's the fish listener. The fish listener, he, he might be, so this is a, a, a special fish. Uh, he's in an ocean of condensed milk. I mean, we don't have those oceans here, but in other places in this universe, you will find an ocean of milk. And what does he do? He quietly drinks milk without even blinking his eyes. So one who quietly listens with full focus and relishes what he hears is called a fish listener. Now, there's four kinds of inferior listeners. There's a wolf listener. So the wolf, I had one of these in my Bhakti Vaibhav class. The, just like the cry of the wolf frightens the deer attracted by the sweet sound of the flute in the forest, the foolish listener whose questions and comments are a source of frustration and pain to the other listeners is called a wolf listener. Yeah, I had one of those for years what to do. And then there's the Burunda bird. He lives in the Himalayas and he tells everyone whatever he's heard without doing anything himself. And so somebody who listens and repeats what he's heard to others but doesn't practice, he's this kind of listener. Not good. Then there's the bull listener. 
The bowl listener doesn't distinguish between eating grapes, sweet grapes, or pungent oil cakes. So the person who listens to everything without <coughs> intelligence and discrimination is called a bull listener. He'll, he'll hear this and then he'll go hear, hear the mundane topics. And then the last one's the camel listener. The camel rejects sweet mango leaves to chew bitter neem leaves. So one who listens to Krishna's teachings and eagerly listens to mundane topics is a camel listener. So try to be one of the good ones like swan or parrot. So in the preface of Nectar Instruction, uh, there's a preface, um, and, and it talks about Lord Chaitanya's desire. This book fulfills Lord Chaitanya's desire. His desire is that we revive our dormant relationship with Krishna. And it's written, the author is Shirupa Goswami, and he expressed Lord Chaitanya's loving mood by giving us these 11 instructions. So ISKCON is an expansion of this loving mood, an example of application of the instructions. So hopefully you'll be able to apply these instructions that you hear today. That's the purpose of this. And um, we're under the authority of Srila Rupa Goswami, who was here 500 years ago. And our goal is to understand the transcendental affairs of Radha and Krishna, who you saw here standing before you. Um, revealed by Lord Chaitanya. So it's a great opportunity once in a day of Lord Brahma, which is once every 300 billion years we get this chance uh, to hear about Radha and Krishna and to develop love for them. And Lord Chaitanya came and other kalpas, that doesn't happen. So spiritual life begins with sense control. Uh, and that we have to come to the level of goodness by following these instructions of Sri Rupa Goswami. Um, now, there's one sentence here you can check on the last paragraph of the preface, the first sentence there, is the most important sentence in this whole preface. preface. Advancement in Krishna consciousness depends on the attitude of the follower. So, um, yes, you may be practicing for many, many years, but if your attitude isn't right, then you'll just, you won't make any advancement. So I'm going to ask you all a question, because this is going to be an interactive seminar. Um, so the first question is, what should be our attitude? What should be the attitude of a, a Krishna conscious person, or one who wants to advance on the spiritual path? What should be our attitude? Any ideas? What should our attitude be? Yes, Satya? Service attitude, very good. That's the best attitude because that's our nature. Now, of course, uh, doing our service also requires an attitude too. So, yeah, service attitude. Uh, and Sita Prabhupada told me three three things how to serve in the letter from, from him, my guru, Sita Prabhupada. Uh, but before I tell you what those three things are, I'll see if you have any more ideas of what kind of attitude we should do along with our service. Service attitude, that's, that's a perfect answer. Uh, then along with our service, we can, um, we can uh, have another attitude too, have attitude. Yes? Okay, favor, accept things favorable, reject things unfavorable, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that, the kind of listeners do that too. They accept things favorable. Any other ideas on attitude? Well, I mean, the footsteps. 
following footsteps previous to Chaya's. Okay, okay, good, good. Okay, what Prabhupada, okay, you have something? Okay. What Prabhupada told me in the letter was sincerity, enthusiasm, and cooperation with other devotees. So two are kind of personal, and one is like, yeah, you have to get along with everyone else, too. <laughs> you can't just fight a fight in. And, okay, so now we're going to go to text one. And the, the verse is up here in case you don't have a book. Um, I think he, Ananta needs a book. Do you have another book for him? Okay. Oh, you got it on your phone? Oh, okay, good. Thank you. It's all good. Thank God for technology. Um, okay, so I'll say one, one line and you can repeat after me. Vacho vegam manasakrota vegam. Vacho vegam vegam. utarapasta vegam. vegam vegam. Etan Sarvam apimam pitivim sashishyat. So these are prerequisites for spiritual life, um, necessity of controlling the mind and senses. And if you can master these six things, you can be a guru. And Prabhupada, he wanted all of us to become guru, and Lord, that's the order of Lord Chaitanya. Uh, because there's so many fallen souls, everybody's suffering in, in, in this age. So Srila Prabhupada, in a lecture in 1966 and 1976, said, we require hundreds and thousands of gurus. Hundreds and thousands. So everybody should be guru here. Um, if you learn this, you can tell somebody else, then you're guru. Um, so this is on the order of Lord Chaitanya. He says, uh, every, whoever you meet, tell them about Krishna. You don't have to be a very learned scholar, MA, PhD, um, but you just read our books, Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam, and you can be guru, and just repeat it as you, and practice it, of course, too. Krishna says tolerate, so you should also tolerate. Don't just tell everybody else to tolerate. Um, you have to practice it, too. So, um, now, um, what is the background uh, for this? Uh, this verse, or uh, the purport, actually, it talks about um, uh, one devotee named Maharaj Pariksit. He was an ancient king 5,000 years ago. And um, he was hearing our book, Srimad Bhagavatam, and his guru, Shukadeva, was telling him all about hell and what, how people suffer in hell. And so the merciful king, he was feeling unhappy to see other people suffering. That's a Vaishnava, he's Paradukaduki. He's very unhappy to see others suffer. So his question to his guru was, how can we save these people from suffering? And so his guru first said, well, yeah, if they, if they just do some atonement, then, and then they will be free. But the king was not satisfied. He said, no, no, I'm a king, I see. People, they commit some um, sinful activity, I put them in jail, they come out, they do it again. It's useless, atonement. Then the guru said, yes, you're right. Um, okay, knowledge, knowledge will help them. If they know that this is not a good thing to do, then maybe. Uh, but that also um, is a temporary solution. There's something more than knowledge. 
and that is devotional service to Krishna. You have to be act on the spiritual path. So the problem with knowledge is uh, that it, 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 yeah, it will help you, it give you temporary relief, but not permanent. So we have our sins that we do in this life. They're compared to dried leaves on the ground, and if you burn them, uh, yes, um, that's okay, but then the roots are still there, and they'll grow. So the roots are our sinful desires. So they will grow. So the, um, the example given here is an elephant taking bath. How does an elephant take bath? Any of you ever see an elephant take bath? In India you can see, um, because they're on the roads. In fact, there was a <laughs> one road in South India, there was a sign on only one elephant allowed on the bridge. <laughs> so, because <laughs> it's a small bridge. Um, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, you can see elephants taking bath, and they, um, they throw the water, they go fill the water over them with their trunk, and then they go off and take throw the dirt on them again. So that's like um, taking up spiritual life and then going back and sinning again. Yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. So uh, there's something higher, and that is um, devotional service. Regularly chanting the holy name and following the four principles. So that, that's very, this is, this is what we need to um, advance. Um, this is just like the sun, when the sun rises, and if, if fog is there, then it dissipates the fog. So we have a lot of fog in our heart, and we, the sun of the holy name comes, and it takes away the fog in our heart. And then we can progress in spiritual life. So, um, yes. Um, there are two kinds of methods. Uh, one is called the blacksmith's method. The blacksmith takes a piece of iron and it hammers it really strongly, like one whack is enough. And that is the goldsmith's method. And it, and it does little, little hammers, little, little ones. So um, Srila Prabhupada compares our method of bhakti to one of these methods. So which one do you think is our method? And don't you tell, because you heard the answer already. <laughs> What the blacksmith? Or are we doing the blacksmith method or the goldsmith method? Yes. You think it's the goldsmith? Yes. It's the blacksmith. Okay, we have two opinions here. Uh, it's the blacksmith <laughs> because we just do one whack, Hare Krishna, and all our sins are finished. But the goldsmith takes a long time and it's very gradual. That's like. Karma, Gan, Yoga, going the gradual path. Of course, we, we do want to be like the goldsmith in the sense that we want to do it right um, and perfectly without making offenses. But actually, we, are, we do. We just have one whack of the Hare Krishna mantra and all our sins are finished. It's because in Kali Yuga, we don't have time to do the goldsmiths. We don't have time to practice yoga and I mean it takes you know yogis used to live for 100,000 years so it takes 60,000 years to do it that would be a lot of births for us to, to perfect the yoga process um, but bhakti yoga is is the quick method instead of taking the stairs up to the hundredth floor of the building we take the elevator the lift um, so yes this is Kali Yuga we can't follow all these strict rules and regulations um, so chanting, we chant Hare Krishna. 
And this counteracts our sins, but not intentional sins. We can't just go and chant and we can't do some sinful activity and say, okay, I'm going to chant Hare Krishna and then I'm going to, it fade. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Can't do that. So we have some, what are the clouds in our heart? Um, there's three, kind, three kinds of clouds. The first cloud is a thirst for enjoying material things. And there's four kinds of those. That is, in this world we want to enjoy, in the next world we want to enjoy. Um, we want mystic powers and we want liberation. And we want to go to the white, the white light, the Brahman. So four kinds of thirst for material objects. The second cloud is miserliness of heart or weakness of heart. And that means attachment to useless things unrelated to Krishna. It means deceit. It means envy. And it means uh, longing for position and fame. So these are the clouds. And the third cloud in the heart is offenses. We make offense to the holy name. We make offense to Krishna. And we make offense to Krishna's devotees. And we make offense to other living entities. So be careful. Now this verse is going to counteract, if you practice this verse, it'll counteract the third cloud, the cloud of offense, offenses. The second verse tomorrow will, uh, will counteract the cloud of and trying to enjoy and the weakness of heart. And the third verse will counteract inattentiveness. And the fourth verse will counteract weakness of heart. So if you stay tuned for the next three days, we'll will make a lot of progress in counteracting our anartas or dirty things in the heart. So, oh, I didn't read the translation. I'm going to read it now. Um, so this is maybe on page one of your book. A sober person who can tolerate the urge to speak, the mind's demands, the actions of anger, and the urges of the tongue, belly, and genitals is qualified to make disciples all over the world. Okay, so when we misidentify with our body and with this world, it creates three kinds of urges. Urge of speech, the urge of mind, and the urge of the body. So for the mind, there's two urges. Uh, unrestricted attachment, and the second one is anger. Now, for the uh, speech, there is one, the speech. And for the body, there's three. The tongue, the belly, and the genitals. These are pushing us to enjoy. So if you engage in Krishna consciousness, you can control these six urges and become a guru or Goswami. So what are obstructions, Vachovega? What are obstructions to controlling the tongue? Well, we have uh, newspapers, TV, movies, um, yeah, and what happens if, if you do these things? You will make sanskara, you will take pictures. Your mind is always taking pictures the whole day long. And it's being stored in your subconscious. And when you, when you associate with the movies and, and, these, and advertisements and things, then this will create desires. And this will create future births. As many desires you have, as many future births you'll have to take. So we want to get this under control. And the second thing will happen if you um, go out and, and to do these mundane things is it will bring death closer. And the third thing, according to this um, purport, you'll become a frog uh, in the sense of um, 
the, cro the frogs have a croaking sound when they talk. Uh, and uh, the snakes catch them when they hear the sound. And I, I live in India, so we have, um, we have a personal experience of this. Uh, there was a big, huge snake in my backyard. And he had caught a frog in its mouth, and he was inside the, um, you know, where the water runs off. It was like a little tank that would hold the water, and then it would go out. So he was he was holding onto the frog, the snake, and the frog was croaking, and he couldn't get out of the tank because there was a small hole opening, as only if he let go of the frog would he get out of that tank, and he finally figured that out, um, <laughs> and he and he got loose. But yeah, we're like that. Death is like the, the snake to capture us. Uh, so if we talk mundane things, it'll bring death closer, the snake of death. Now there's a, a verse in our Bhagavatam which says, uh, those words which do not describe the glories of the Lord uh, are considered by saintly persons to be like a place of pilgrimage for crows. So what do crows eat? All oh, dirty things. You'll find them in the garbage. And uh, But um, devotees are like swans, uh, paramahansas. They, they see the essence of life. So on the other hand, that literature, full of descriptions of transcendental topics uh, of the Lord, is a different creation. And these words will bring about a revolution in our hearts. And so even if it's imperfect, uh, this is accepted by purified men. Okay, we're going to do an exercise now. And this is completely voluntary, and I think the new people won't be doing this because it requires a little uh, experience in Krishna consciousness. <laughs> so you can just listen. I'm uh, Kalyani. Do you have a watch or a timer? You can time. Yeah. Okay. We need to time for one minute. So this is the exercise. Um, I'll need some volunteers. Um, we're gonna. Uh, choose a, a mundane word, just any word, like red, yellow, blue, pink, or like floor, ceiling, house, outdoors, going, coming, sky, anything. And uh, we're gonna, and somebody is gonna volunteer to speak on that word for one minute and relate it to Krishna. So this is an exercise in how to relate this world to Krishna. Any volunteers? Or else I have to volunteer someone. <laughs> and you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Shriupa. Uh, okay, now somebody has to think of a word. Karaneshri, think of a word for Shriupa to speak on. House. House. Okay, ready? Uh, okay, go. <laughs> okay, so when, when we come home in the evening time, it's raining outside. It's really cold, and then we go in our house and we feel this shelter. And Krishna is like that shelter. Krishna is actually our real shelter. And he's the shelter of all living entities. We all have an individual relationship with Krishna. We're parts and parcels of Krishna. So Krishna is our ultimate shelter. So you could say that if you compare Krishna to a house, um, Houses can be very beautiful, they can be very beautifully designed. Um, see this house, it's beautiful archways here. And all these things, they're coming from Krishna. Krishna has created the arts of beauty. He is the most beautiful and the most attractive. 
Thank you. How long is one minute? <laughs> okay, anybody else like to volunteer? You almost have your hand up, Moksha? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're looking at... Okay, Malati, good. Malati's volunteering. Okay, um, Shirupa, choose a word for Malati. The sky. Huh? The sky. Sky. Ready, go? Okay. Krishna has a kind of a view and <laughs> I uh, reminds of, us of Krishna because uh, it's, if it's blue and if it's cloudy, then we can't see um, Krishna's color and sometimes our mind is clouded and we can't understand about Krishna. It's a difficult one. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody like to help her? Yeah, the sky is vast. Oh, the sky is like vast. Krishna. Like Krishna. Okay. And you have this spiritual sky. Oh, okay. Let's hear about the spiritual sky. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, see, if, if you need help, you can have help, so it's not so bad. Uh, one minute is a long time. Pavani, would you like to volunteer? <laughs> okay, uh, Moksha, can you think of a word? Yellow. Yellow. <laughs> okay, anybody want to help her? Yellow can be uh, oh. the color of the sun or the moon. The sun or the moon. And then in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, uh, of luminaries. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you. I think an Antony Tai should volunteer. You're helping everyone, so <laughs> you're helping everyone, so I think you'll, you'll be good at it. I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you I pass. Like no problem. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Yeah, okay, so thank you. Just see. But, you know, this exercise, um, this is how I learned public <coughs> speaking. Um, because I wasn't a public speaker at all. And um, it really helps you to think quickly. It really helps you to think. And, like, after, you know, a few years, then they interviewed me on a... Star TV in India, the millions of viewers, and you know, and they were asking me all these questions, and I could, I could reply quickly, you know, because I had this practice. Mm. It really helps. 
So in case somebody starts speaking nonsense, you can bring it back to Krishna. No. <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> Yellow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Um, so now the next uh, category is the mind. Two problems with the mind are attachment and anger. Um, and anger, attachment includes not only uh, attachment to enjoying, it also is attachment to renouncing. And the philosophy of the impersonalists, they say this world is false, but they're attached to becoming one with uh, the Lord. And they, you can't, I mean, you can't really do that. But you can go into his white light, which is no fun. It's pretty boring. Um, there's nobody there. Just imagine just floating in the sky forever. Uh, you, you wouldn't want to stay there. Um, and then it's also uh, relief in uh, plans based on materialistic desires. This is also a kind of attachment. Now anger, anger is another one. So we have to fill our, our mind with Krishna conscious thoughts. Now the way we control our mind is by chanting. And one way is by chanting japa in the morning, chanting Hare Krishna mantra on our beads. And this, this is very helpful for us to control our mind. Sadatana Goswami has given us rules to perfect our japa. And Hari Bhakti Vilas, Mana Sangharanam Shaucham Maunam Mantrata Chintanam Avyagatvama Nirvedo Japa Sambhati Hedava. You need to cultivate these qualities. Mana Sangharanam, the mind goes everywhere you bring it back. That's the first thing. How, how do you get the strength to do this? It's by purity in your life internal and external. Internal means to be chanting, thinking of Krishna. External, uh, purity in eating, sleeping, defending, and mating leads to purity in action. And this leads to purity in mind. So what we do during the day influences our meditation um, next day. So the second point is silence, maunam. Now how are we going to chant with silence? Uh, silence you, mauna means to meditate on the meaning of the mantra, mantarta chintanam. So our meaning, please accept me, Krishna, please pick me up, place me as an atom of dust at your lotus feet. Then the next thing is patience, and we'll hear about that on the third day. The third day. And the fourth thing is steadfastness. Don't lose hope if you don't uh, get your, reach your goal in a few days or years. And so meaning of the mantra uh, I've, I've mentioned this a few times, that um, we wake up and we think we have so many problems to solve. Our Guru Sri Prabhupada has said we only have one problem, and that's how to accept Krishna. How to accept Krishna. Uh, Krishna, he's so kind, he's coming, he's coming here, just waiting for us to accept him. And so then comes the tongue, the problem of the tongue. We eat uh, spiritual food. And I think you'll be having some of that today also for breakfast. And that's the way we control our tongue because it purifies us of material desires. It purifies us of sins just by eating food offered to Krishna. And then, um, and then align the tongue, belly, and genitals so all the others will be controlled if we can control our, our tongue. Um, so then... Uh, we have the belly. The belly is connected to the tongue, and that will be controlled. Sometimes our belly uh, wants more than we can eat, uh, often. Our eyes are bigger than our, our belly. And, uh, so we, but then we have to also 
uh, control. We have to balance. We have to control how much we eat. So, um, and then um, the genitals we use for, for pro procreating children, for having children. Um, we, use, we don't stop sex life, but we get married and have children, and that's how we control it. And that's also a, a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice to have children, a big sacrifice. Now, in, and in this age, people are killing the, the babies in the womb because they don't, it's too much trouble to take care of children. But we, we do that sacrifice. We do that sacrifice. So today, now the last thing we're going to do today is an exercise in controlling anger. How do you control your anger? By forgiveness. So just uh, think of someone who, that you have forgiven. Think of somebody. And um, I'm going to give you, uh, I'll tell you, uh, I'll give you some questions to see if you really forgave that person or not. And after that, we're going to do an exercise in forgiveness. So this is kind of like a, mm, a little test. It's Mahatma. This is from Mahatma Prabhu. He does seminars on forgiveness. So think of someone who you're angry with and you think you forgave them. Um, but here's a test to see if you really did or not. And so first of all, yeah, because anger is really, really important and... A lot of people have trouble with that. So um, here's the first thing. Here's the test. Um, you, you, you forgave him, but then you still hope something bad will happen to the person. <laughs> Weren't you? <laughs> uh, now, what's the antidote? There's a way to counteract this now. I'm going to give you the, the things that are bad and then how to counteract them. How to counteract this? Pray for the person and bless them in the same way you would like to be blessed. So pray for the person. Now, um, the second thing um, that you may think of, this is, these are 14 tests here to see if you really forgave that person or not. The next one is, you hope something will happen to them, either good or bad, that will make them aware of how they hurt you. <laughs> so if you still feel that way, then you haven't, you haven't forgiven. Okay. And the antidote, allow Krishna to deal with them from within their hearts the way he chooses. Leave it, let go and let Krishna, we say. Um, the third thing, uh, you're still waiting for them to apologize. Um, uh, you might wait your, wait your whole life. <laughs> no. Um, so take responsibility for your own forgiveness. Choose to forgive. No. So then the fourth thing, you keep a record of their wrongs with you, and or you keep a record of how you were right. You still talk about this record, um, <laughs> uh, either frequently or rarely, but you still talk about it. You still have your story lodged somewhere in your heart. Antidote is to tear up the record of their wrongs and your rights. Uh, the fifth thing, your life is still being controlled or affected in some way by how you were ill-treated. And the antidote, create your life from the future, not from the past. Six, you punish them with your tongue. Antidote, you no longer let anyone know what was said about you or done to you. If you have totally forgiven, you may even want to do something to ensure that no one knows what's happened. If you tell someone, tell one person and do it in a therapeutic way to remove the resentment, not to punish the other person. So you can go for therapy, that's okay. That's all right. 
but don't uh, put it on on Facebook <laughs> or Instagram or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> Number seven. Um, you allow the person who hurt you to be afraid of you or intimidated by you. It gives you pleasure to know they're afraid because they're getting some punishment for what they did. Antidote. Assure the person they have nothing to fear. Number eight. You want to punish them by making them feel guilty. Antidote. Show them Krishna allowed this to happen for a reason. Nine. You don't forgive yourself. And the antidote is meditate on how Krishna forgives you. Radharani forgives you. Lord Chaitanya forgives you. Prabhupada forgives you. How Krishna instructs devotees to see everyone engaged in service with a desire to advance, to be a sadhu, and to be rightly situated. So tenth thing, uh, you forgive, then you give in to resentment again. So you kind of fall back. Antidote. When you forgive, you must be sincere. <clears throat> forgive from the heart and forgive totally. You don't forgive them only once, but you continually forgive them every day. Forgiveness is a lifelong commitment. Number 11, you hold them in perpetual fear by threatening to tell on them. Antidote, keep the offense a secret. And again, if it must be told, tell it to an authority with the purpose of properly dealing with it and keeping it a secret. 12, you never think of their welfare or it upsets you, things in their life go well. Uh, antidote, bless them, pray for them, don't ever tell them this is what you did. Pray that Krishna forgives them. 13, you don't let them save face or want them to save face. The thought no one will ever know agitates you or is intolerable to you. Antidote, accept what happened as your karma. Let the person know Krishna did this to me for my benefit. Recognize you are also capable of making great mistakes and how important it is for you to save face. 14. You follow one more or more of the antidotes but feel a need to go to the person let them know what you did. Hmm, I did this antidote. Hmm, see how good I am. I forgive you. Uh, no. Antidote. Forgive because it's the right thing because you value your relationship with Krishna more than you value punishing your enemy. Remember, most people who offend don't think they've done anything wrong. They have done anything wrong, so letting them know you've forgiven them can cause another reaction. <laughs> yeah, they don't know. Okay, we're going to do an exercise now, and this is completely personal and confidential, and we're not going to share it with anyone. It's between you and a person you have to forgive. Now think of someone you need to forgive, and if you can't think of anyone, forgive yourself, yeah? Um, Mother Nari, um, that, um, the list that you gave us, would that depend on the, the kind of offense that person Yeah, it would depend. Uh, you're not going to take abuse. Yeah. But this is just, you know, minor, minor. It may be major too. Uh, but that's why we say, yes, you should tell someone. If it's, if it's abu abuse, we don't tolerate Obviously, this is for, you know, minor things, uh, you know, husbands and wives get into fights over nothing, you know, and, um, <laughs> and, and people too, friends get over into fights over nothing. Um, but also it may be uh, a deep thing that you have to forgive too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on the thing. Yeah, we, we, we cannot tolerate abuse. 
uh, every day, you know, being abused and then forgiven and then abused and forget. That doesn't work, no. That doesn't work. You have to put an end to that. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> okay, so, okay, think of someone you need to forgive and make a choice to totally forgive them and release any attack, resentment, hatred, or grudges you have towards them. If you can't do it fully, then do it as much as you can. Um, and next, imagine this person is seated in front of you. Um, glorify them, appreciate them for their good qualities and activities, and uh, ask Krishna to bless their lives in every way. It may be an organization also. It may not be a person. So, okay, now you just go to it. Just think of the person, have the person in front of you, and glorify them. And appreciate them. And bless them and pray for them. <clears throat> okay. You can stop now and uh, and if it's too difficult, just forgive them for one day or one hour or one minute. Um, <laughs> I can begin it. Because um, the thing is that uh, your life will improve if you, if you forgive. Uh, you're, and you're actually fortunate if someone offends you because it gives you opportunity to make great spiritual advancement. And there's some sayings, to forgive is to set the prisoner free and, and realize the prisoner was you. It's actually you're keeping yourself prisoner by negative feelings. You're keeping yourself prisoner. And uh, the problem is too often we want mercy for ourselves, but we want justice for others. Now that's there too. Okay. So um, we'll stop here. And if there's any questions, you can ask at this point. Anybody has any questions? Shirupa. In the prophet's talking about using using the anger. Use oh yes yes you can use the anger yeah. And, uh, gives those examples of Hanuman. Hanuman. Mm-hmm. Arjun. Arjun. I'm just wondering how. I mean, they were in a in a time and culture where there was yeah. there was no? war. It was well yeah I can give you a good example because we um, this this has happened with our devotees that devotee has used anger in the service of Krishna at one time they were out chant singing on the streets and there was one drunk and he was going to attack one of the ladies and the man went and he punched him and got him you know away from that lady so that's a way you can use anger you can protect the devotees. You can use it to protect. And I remember in Calcutta it happened that um, somebody well, didn't, uh, I don't know if it was the landlord or somebody was uh, angry with the devotees having one of the flats. And they sent a, a gang to protect us at night. I mean, uh, sorry, to attack us at night. And uh, so the devotees went down and fought with them. And they, one of the devotees broke a window and, and used the broken window as, as a weapon. 
And there was one big, tall devotee. He just went down there, and they started running. <laughs> he was big. And, yeah, but it happens. It happens that devotees are attacked. And we don't, and we don't um, yes, we're like Arjuna. We'll fight if we're attacked. Um, and um, it also means verbally, too. If somebody verbally attacks, then you can um, protect the others. But if some about um, the teaching of Lord Chaitanya is if if you're attacked verbally, then you don't, then you just tolerate, you tolerate. But you should not um, tolerate any criticism of others, of others. Any other questions? This was a little advanced class, so I hope you got something from it. <laughs> Sorry, can I ask? Oh, sure. So in, in the tolerance, then, if you were attacked verbally as a person, you must sit with it and not respond verbally? Well, there's ways to respond. There's ways to respond. Uh, uh, nonviolent communication. There's nonviolent communication um, that uh, we follow also. Uh, that is, uh, you don't blame the other person, but you ex you can express yourself how you feel when when they speak like that about you. You can express yourself, and you can request them if they can. Um, would it be possible for you to uh, control this or whatever? Speak in such a way. Yeah, we've been taught um, nonviolent communication also. And these are methods that we can use that are very helpful. Yeah, you, I mean, not that you... Yeah, again, abuse is not, not tolerated. And there are ways to counteract that. There are ways to counteract. Even a person is angry, I was reading on the internet, if somebody's angry with you, you can say, could you speak a little more slowly? I can't really hear what you're saying. <laughs> Slow them down. <laughs> yeah. So was it like to how you listen to the abuse? Like you spoke about the swan listener? Yeah. <laughs> so it's how you listen, is how you... Yeah, well, it's how you respond. It's how you respond also. If you respond anger with anger, it's, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. But um, there is a verse in our um, Mahabharata. If someone's angry with you and you tolerate that, then you get all their good qualities and they get all your bad qualities. <laughs> so that's karma. That's a law of karma. But again, we don't tolerate abuse. Um, yeah, you don't tolerate peace. Yeah, Satya? <laughs> so she's asking if we don't tolerate, do get all our bad qualities and they get our good qualities. I think you have a, you exchange your bad qualities <laughs> because you're both on the same level. It's mode of ignorance. You're in, the, you're in the mode of ignorance, and ignorance causes um, destructive things. Ignorance means destructive. 
Anger comes from ignorance. And when you're in ignorance, then it's, it's a destructive mode. Destructive mode. They're destroying you, you're destroying them. And there's no good result except to increase your ignorance. Yes, uh, yeah, oh, somebody here had a question? No, okay, Karnishri? Yeah. So now, can you say then there'd be different levels of tolerance according to the mode you're in yourself because you could be struggling to tolerate or you're trying to take effort or your tolerance could be that you're not actually really affected so not so you're tolerating in the sense that it's not actually really but you know there's something that's not really bothering you, so. Okay. Is that tolerating you're saying? Are there different levels? Of Are there different levels of tolerance? It sounds like it. <laughs> sounds like there's different levels of tolerance. Different, a lot of levels of tolerance. Uh, like if it doesn't bother you, then you're not really tolerating. <laughs> but if it bothers you and you tolerate, then then that's um, you're tolerating. And, and it's, there's, it's important to tolerate. He, that's one of the first, in fact, that's the first instruction of Krishna to Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita. The happiness and distress is like winter and summer seasons. They come and go. You have to tolerate. You have to tolerate that. Yeah. Oh, wow, we have so many questions. Okay, first is Kalyani. You had a question? Yeah, I was saying that. And then Mahamantra and then Satya. It seems that sometimes, well, it seems for me anyway, that one of the reasons why preaching is, is so um, dear to me, it helps us in our advancement, is that we're forced to tolerate. You yes, that's true. You don't want to tolerate somebody, but you're dressed in devotional clothes, and you think to yourself, if I react like this, it's going to be bad for the movement. You know, if I react in a, in a bad way, but I've, mm. I've also seen a lot when we're out preaching, especially if we're out on Haringam or book distribution, and somebody is very offensive, or if we just tolerate, I mean, practically every time Krishna intervenes. I remember mm -hmm. one time we were on Haringam in Belfast when I first joined. Okay, we're talking about tolerating him for the camera here. Yeah. Um, you're tolerating out on Haringam. Yeah, out on Haringam. There was one man, he, he got closer and closer to the Haringam party. And then you could see him just blowing himself up and he was about to spit at the devotees and he spat at one of the devotees and the wind blew and it blew back in his face. <laughs> 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 he spit and just walked off. <laughs> you could see what he was going to do. Okay, there was a man, he wanted to spit on the devotees, so he spit on the devotees and the wind blew it back in his face. As if so he got instant like karma there. Yeah. yeah. Another time a man in a wheelchair Man he, he was, um, he was ramming in on the speaker deliberately with his wheelchair. He's ramming the speaker with his wheelchair. Yeah, trying to knock it over. Trying to knock over the speaker. We didn't know what to do because if we removed a man in a wheelchair and we were sitting fighting with him in public, it would look like we were bullying him. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't want to remove the guy. <laughs> we didn't know what to do. So it was just me and back to Tim and a few more devotees. And then one man came up and he said, "I see what you're doing. I've just phoned the police and they're on their way and you're in trouble." <laughs> like that. Okay. Just went. Okay. Yeah, so we, we have to do what we have to do. Okay, uh, Mahamantra? What's the difference between tolerating and just keeping it inside? What's the difference between tolerating and keeping it inside? Well, keeping it inside is, is, could be dangerous. 
because uh, you it might be you might be cooking it inside. <laughs> uh, th yeah, the question was, what's the difference between tolerating and keeping inside? Uh, you keep it inside, it might boil, it may um, cause disease. Actually, if you're angry with somebody, you tolerate, but you're you don't forgive them. You tolerate, but you don't forgive. Yeah, that can cause disease. Um, there's a book by Helen Hay, and it says all the mental causes of disease. And the cause of cancer is resentment. So if you resent somebody, you can, call, you can get cancer. And if it cooks in, you keep thinking of it, it keeps coming. But you have to forgive them. So keeping it inside, it depends how you keep it inside. <laughs> keeping it inside sounds like you're, you're not forgiving. You're tolerating, but you're not. You're not forgiving. You got to be careful with that. <laughs> okay, Satya. Anger. <laughs> you're the least angry person I can think of. <laughs> oh, I didn't catch that. What did you say? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to ask how how the way so many so many ways how to control and especially the media lesson is Yes, yes. Um yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay, when when how to how to control it in advance before it happens, because sometimes we we get angry and we, it's just a natural reaction and we have no control. So um, you know somebody's going to make you angry, probably. You know who it, who's going to make you angry. Forgive them in advance. Okay, I forgive you. Um, <laughs> and then it might come. It, it, it gets easy. It, it gets worse, better, and better. Like you forgive them in advance, and you're not so angry. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I forgave him. Okay. And then, uh, and then the next time you get angry, oh mm, yeah, mm, yes. And then you know, and then you keep practicing like that. Forgive them in advance, and then. Um, it, it works after a while. I've had people try that, and it, it actually works. <laughs> okay, any other Shirupa? I'm just wondering, is there, is there any place at all for anger? Like is there any place at all for anger? I'm just wondering, in a, yeah. healthy, in a healthy community, in a healthy, okay. in a healthy family, That's a, you know, like, mm -hmm. someone's really, really tooting my head, you know, can I not express that? Mm-hmm. Well, when you're in your family, um, especially with children, um, I've, I, there are books that teach you how to express yourself without anger and getting the thing done. That anger is not necessary for disciplining. In fact, it's better not to show anger when you discipline. Um, so you have to read those books. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's one book called How to Speak So Your Child Will Listen. And uh, yeah, uh, as far as I understand, and how to discipline also and all these things. Um, so yeah, there is a use for anger, but it's uh, not recommended within the family. 
uh, within the community. I was, I was, I saw an internet that in Africa, some tribe, they, um, when some person does something wrong, they, they get the whole village together. They put the kid, the person in the middle, and they all speak his good qualities, mm -hmm. so that he'll change. Mm -hmm. They, they say you're good. You did this until he changes. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I, um, anger is like, uh, as I said, to, to protect the devotees, to protect the devotees. We don't tolerate violence. We don't tolerate violence. Um, and verbal also. Now there's, I mean, you can be smart, like my, I'll tell you, my god sister, Anang Manjari, she was uh, in charge of book distribution in America, and her, her girls were, were distributing at one place, and this man was just really offensive. He was coming in, in between the devotee and the, and the um, person they were trying to distribute a book, and he was speaking all bad things about the book. Don't buy this book, this is this. So they said, she said, okay, let me, t let me go, let me distribute. So she was distributing, and the man came over, and she said to the, and he started saying bad things, and she said to the person she was distributing to, this is our uncle Kamsa, and today we're doing reverse psychology. Whatever he says, you do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> and after a couple of weeks of that, the guy changed, and he, he felt a part of the family, and he took a book too. <laughs> it was like, this is our uncle. <laughs> so you have to be intelligent. I mean, to use anger, like Prabhupada did use it. And so the guru and the disciple, it's very sensitive, though, because Sudhakirti said he couldn't take it. So he, he never did anything that would make Prabhupada angry with him, because he saw Prabhupada angry with some of his disciples. And then they could take, they would argue with Prabhupada. Tamal would argue with Prabhupada. <laughs> Prabhupada would get angry with him. <laughs> Go to China, you know. <laughs> told them to go to China and preach. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so anger has its use, but you have to be really transcendental to be able to use it properly, uh, unless it's a, a, an emergency. Uh, then you have to protect yourself, protect the devotees. Any other, uh, Moksha, you had a question? Yeah, we're talking about tolerating. And I was kind of thinking, sometimes you might think, oh, I'm tolerating that person. But, <laughs> you know, is it sometimes not, kind of, it can happen that you're not sure if it's, you know, I'm tolerating or it's them that are tolerating me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, so, yeah, sometimes you think you're tolerating someone, but you're not sure, are they tolerating me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm in that position sometimes. And it's kind of difficult to actually figure out which one it is and should I actually realize that maybe, you know, it's easier to it, you know, so how can you distinguish, you know, sometimes between the two, you know, are they, are they is that person? How to distinguish if, if, <laughs> um, you have to tolerate them or they have to tolerate you. Usually it goes both ways. But usually they let you know um, <laughs> if they have to tolerate you. Usually people let you know. They don't just um, keep it in. 
usually, usually there's, I mean, unless there's absolutely no communication there between the two of you. But it's, it, you can find out by asking them. <laughs> yeah. it, what I mean also, it's kind of like, you know, for forgiving someone, for example, I'm thinking, oh, I have to forgive that person, but maybe, you know, yeah, it's got... <laughs> Oh, you're thinking you have to forgive that person, but maybe it's the other way around. Yes, and I, I, like... Okay, I yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, you're th yeah, that's a very interesting question. Now, you're thinking you have to forgive them, but maybe they have to forgive you. So um, you could also beg forgiveness too, as part of the exercise. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, like Prabhupada, um, he was once attacked verbally by some man who was criticizing Prabhupada, and devotees wanted to stop him. Prabhupada said, no, no, last life I must have offended him. Mm -hmm. I did something. So when somebody is verbally attacking, it could be, you know, last life you, you verbally attack them. And... Uh, and sometimes you're blamed for doing something that you didn't do, but last life you got away with it. <laughs> no, this life <laughs> you're getting blamed. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it's good when you forgive someone and beg forgiveness too. That would be also a good part of the exercise, I would say. Yeah. Pray when you're in book distribution, pray to Paramatma. Yeah. So can do that in the case of. Yeah, that's so, true. Somebody's service or their obstacle to ours, we can... Yeah, pray. pray to Paramatma in their heart. Yes. That's a very good thing to do. That's a good exercise, too. Pray to Paramatma in the other person's heart. You have a question? Yeah, just think about these things like anger that... Um, because the examples you're giving of using them, you know, utilizing anger, it seems like that's from a position of like control, not that you're just waiting for an opportunity to unleash your anger or go out there or something. Mm -hmm. It's more like you're in control of it and when it's a situation that requires it, then you can utilize anger. Yes. But so then it seems that if there is anger or attachment or one like you didn't mention that comes up a lot as fear as well. Fear. Mm -hmm. But if any of those things are like too much mm -hmm. up for us, it seems there might be some underlying things that really need to be looked at. So exactly. We have to be introspective. Mm -hmm. What's causing this anger? What's causing this fear? And yeah, usually it comes up when we're chanting. Sometimes the fear will come, anger will come, and we have to accept, okay, yeah, I have that fear, and face it, and let it go. And uh, yeah, we can't just say, oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm not afraid, no, I don't have any fear. Uh, no, we do, we do, otherwise, that's one of the four things to control is fear, defending. And sometimes Prabhupada calls it fearing mm -hmm. instead of defending. There are four things that we, we have to control. Um, yes? I've seen um, many devotees and non-devotees find gardening fantastic. Okay. <laughs> All right, here's something good for anger is gardening. <laughs> Just get in the garden, dig it up. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah. You just get touch the ground, dig up everything, take the weeds out, cleaning. <laughs> okay, thank you for your practical suggestions, cleaning and gardening. Yes? I just got in contact yesterday, we were watching 
Journalism, journaling, writing. So write down everything, your anger, your fears. Your, that's a, helpful for introspection. Mind the introspective. Yes, Anantini Tats. I told this story before, but remember I had a problem many years ago. I couldn't get angry. You couldn't get angry. I couldn't get angry. It didn't matter what you did. I couldn't get angry. So your problem was you couldn't get angry. That was my, yeah, that was my problem. <laughs> it's a very strange one. And then uh, and back to Mark, somebody came and he was doing a play. Oh. And you know, there was lust and you know, different characters you had oh. to play. And I had to play anger. Oh, and you had to play anger. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. couldn't get angry. I couldn't get angry. So we did, so we did, uh, we did uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I went back to Mark, so it's push me, push me like this, you know, trying to get me angry. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the play came in Dublin, we did the, oh, no, yeah, the Belfast, we did the play Belfast, and it was, you know, and then, uh, and then I see, oh, Krishna, Krishna, I can't get angry, please help me get angry. <laughs> so, uh, so we did the one in Dublin, and I'm claustrophobic. Right. <laughs> and uh, another chemical toilet, it was in St. Stephen's Green, right? And there's a chemical toilet set. And then all of a sudden, I, I had the call of nature. <laughs> As I went to the toilet, right? You know, just, you know, whatever. That's water, whatever. And then all of a sudden, someone locked me in. You got locked in the bathroom. Yeah, it's been like locked In the middle of a play. And they, didn't do this. they started rocking the toilet. They started rocking it because it was a cubicle. They started what? The portable toilet. So they started rocking it. They started rocking the portable toilet. And you were inside. Yeah, and then all of a sudden I lost my temper. And, I kicked the and you got open. angry. <laughs> and they kicked the door open. They kicked the door open. Yeah, and also you could feel this impish energy outside. So you could, I knew the person was outside. Was you knew he was out there. Well, you could feel the impish You could energy. feel it. You could feel it. And so anyway, so then I kicked the door open, and there he was. And then I was like, la, 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 la. And all of a sudden I just thought, and this is Krishna, save it. <laughs> save your save anger. It, save, save your, your anger. anger. Save it. Don't waste it on this guy. <laughs> Don't waste it. <laughs> right. So that okay, save it. Right. So I saved it, and then, uh, and then, and then I was on uh, on stage, and then like five minutes later, I was on oh, stage. you were on stage then, five minutes later. Yeah, you saved the anger. Yeah, yeah, you saved the anger. That was in me, right? And then, and then I had to get angry, and I got angry, and back to Mark's family was watching me. <laughs> <laughs> 
You scared Tim's kid. You were so angry in the drama. Oh, okay. Well, I guess Krishna helped you get angry. And guess what? The person who did it, I forgave. And you forgave the person. Okay. Wow. So, any other questions? <laughs> now you know what to do if you can't get angry. <laughs> Tell someone to lock you in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. We'll meet tomorrow. Um, all glory to you, Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. <laughs>